Austin, it's about time we got some merchandise in here so that I can start making some money off this podcast. What are you talking about? You're not going to make any money off of this podcast. You don't own the rights. No, but I do own 100% of the merchandising for the pod. It's in my contract. What contract? The contract you had me sign when I first started doing the pod for you. Taylor, I just made you sign that contract so that I could make you record and edit all the episodes for free so I wouldn't have to pay you. Okay, we're not, we're never going to merchandise anything for the pod. But now we are. (laughs) Hi, Taylor Witt here, local podcaster and t-shirt enthusiast. Do you need another t-shirt so that you can put off doing laundry? Is your collection of Chiefs shirts just too small? Do you want to support your favorite Chiefs podcast, but think there's no way they'll take your money? You're so stupid. There is. Introducing the It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom t-shirt. Finally, there's an elegant, comfortable shirt for our listeners. Is your torso one-armed? Are you fat, skinny, or an in-between? Our red cotton design with the podcast logo on the front is available to anyone who DMs me on Twitter or sends me a Discord message. Meow. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Find them on Twitter at SIChiefs. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at RealBirdLawyer. And here with me, as always, is my man, Taylor Witt, who you can find on Twitter at Taylor Witt. We have huge news here today. As you heard in the opener, we are making merchandise for this podcast. We're going to do t-shirts. So if you love the podcast, you love the Chiefs, you love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you love all of the above, or you just love the phrase that we came up with for this podcast slapped patent on it. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Taylor, let these people know where they can get a t-shirt. Well, we're uh, coming up with them. So you can DM me on Twitter, as Austin said, at Taylor underscore wit. Or you can, if you're part of our Discord group, you can message me on Discord. If you are not part of the group and you want to be, obviously message me on Twitter and I'll get you hooked up there. Uh, you know, we're Austin and I wanted the shirts just for ourselves, and we figured we might as well uh, give them to the masses. It's a nice looking red shirt with the yellow logo on it. It's pretty clean, pretty cool. Looking forward to it. We are looking forward to wearing these shirts just because we want to represent ourselves, our own podcast, but also because, you know, it is always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. We got to be wearing these around. I'm going to be wearing them around in Denver and northern Colorado where I live, you know, just representing the podcast, representing the Chiefs, you know, celebrating us, celebrating the pod a little bit. Uh, It's going to be great. We have a huge show today uh as you guys know regular listeners know we usually record this podcast on a wednesday the last couple of weeks we've been recording on a thursday just out of coincidence you know i take my dog to daycare on thursday she's less crazy whatever it is it's a little bit easier for me to record on thursday boy it is a good thing that we recorded on a thursday taylor because there was a ton of news today yeah i would have hated to have recorded this wednesday night and basically by the time we were posting it on thursday it wouldn't have mattered so yeah yeah we've got a lot to cover We got a lot of news. We'll talk about that. Then we're going to do a little legal tampering special. Legal tampering period for free agency starts on Monday coming up. So what we're going to do, we like to do things draft style on the show. We're going to do a little draft of our top 10 free agents each. Normally we do 10 draft picks, 
total. This time we're going to do 10 draft picks each. We're going to talk about our top 20 free agents specifically for the Chiefs. And since it's draft style, you know, there's going to be some subjectivity to it there. We're going to close it out with a roast, another one of our signature segments, and we're going to deal with the 2013 draft class. Taylor, that was a real turd of a draft. We're going to roast the shit out of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. And also, uh, we're going to kind of keep roasting some drafts up until the real draft day. So this is the first one of probably a couple here. Yes, it certainly is. You've done some great research in that regard. Can't wait to get into it. But first, Taylor, the news. News, 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 news. Okay, so... It's Thursday, March 11th. I sent you a frantic uh, (laughs) chat message at 7.53 this morning in which I said, we're cutting everybody out there. That was the gist of it. And your response was, oh, fuck. (laughs) Because the Chiefs this morning released first Eric Fisher. That was the first news to come out. And then just minutes after that, in fact, I found out by all you maniacs replying to my Eric Fisher tweet saying we had cut Mitch Schwartz. And so both of the Chiefs tackles, neither of whom played in the Super Bowl, Eric Fisher out with an Achilles, Mitchell Schwartz out with a back injury that kept him out most of last year, both cut, both gone. Yeah, and uh, the Chiefs saved about um, $18 million in cap space with that move. So that was something that, given their injury situation, given the fact that Fish was on the last year of his deal, um, I think, I don't remember how many years Mitch had left on his deal. Was he maybe two years left. I, I'd have to I think one more year after this year. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, cutting them both is definitely with the chiefs being 20 plus million under or over the cap. That was something that uh, needed to be done, but it's still uh, it's the dicey situation because the offensive line, even with those two guys coming into next year was going to be something that the chiefs had to focus on. And now, I mean, that's going to be the number one thing that everybody looks at this off season. Yeah. And I, I mean, you said something that had to be done. I don't know. You know, it, it would be really interesting, obviously, in an alternate reality where there's yeah. no COVID-19 and no injury to either guy, what yeah. the situation would be. Because obviously, you've got a combination of factors kind of lining up here with both of those guys are over 30. Both of them are coming off of pretty significant injuries. Fisher, a torn Achilles, obviously, in the second to last game of the year against Buffalo. And Mitch with back surgery that just took place after the Super Bowl. It was something he was trying to rehab during the season. But both of those guys are on the wrong side of 30. They play really physically demanding positions. And it also happens that the cap went down by about $16 million this year. So you roll all of that together. And with the Chiefs kind of having a need anyway to start rebuilding the offensive line with some youth and you know moving away from these older guys it just kind of was the perfect storm for both of those guys to get cut and really a sad day because Eric Fisher as we'll talk about when we do the roast of the 2013 draft class he along with Travis Kelsey was the uh, were the longest tenured players on the team now Travis Kelsey is the only remaining player from that first draft class that Andy Reid uh, had when he came to Kansas City in 2013 and, you know, former number one overall pick, Super Bowl champion, obviously Mitch Schwartz did great things for Kansas City. Both guys that I think the fans had really come to love. For Schwartz, that was pretty much from the second he put on a Chiefs uniform. For Fisher, you know, it took a little while. I was thinking about, you know, his career arc, and it's almost a little bit like, you know, obviously the hype for a left tackle is going to be different than a, a baseball player. But I was thinking a little bit about Alex Gordon you know, who is the number two overall pick for the Royals and was like this hyped mega prospect and kind of started out his career as a bust. And, you know, people 
didn't think he was ever really going to play. He changed positions and then he turned into a really good player. Never necessarily like the super megastar that people thought he might be when he was drafted, but into a really good player and probably a Royals Hall of Famer, a certainly a world champion. And Eric Fisher almost kind of had the same career arc in some ways, um, you know, started off with some spotty play and turned into a really consistent player and a really good left tackle. You know, what's funny is I also was thinking of a comp for Eric Fisher and I went in another direction and I went with the player that was taken number one overall eight years before Eric Fisher was, which is, of course, Alex Smith. And sure. Alex was a guy that um, was also mega hyped coming out of Utah and had all the, you know, you're a quarterback pick number one overall. They expect the world of you. And he just never really got it done in San Francisco, certainly not to the level that, um, you know, he should have, I guess. And he eventually turned out to be a hell of a pro, but just never quite up to those lofty standards. But, you know, just another guy that uh, was a chief that I kind of was thinking about started yeah. off rough and then, and then figured it out. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a sad day. It's one of those that um, they've been with the team long enough and and performed great for long enough that you really just you hate to see him go it's it's kind of like those defensive cuts a couple years ago where yeah you know you see the cost saving of of getting rid of Houston and Barry and those guys but it still hurts it's still it's still guys that as a fan you loved and you want to see you know them stay on the team forever and be great forever but that's just not how the NFL works it's not and we're gonna kind of be discussing this whole train as we get through this whole podcast i mean we, we've got the legal tampering period coming up just on monday the chiefs now are in a position where they can kind of go in a direction that i don't know a lot of us expected them to go they certainly had some different scenarios they could have gone through to get under the cap but if they wanted to keep some of these players and specifically schwartz and fisher they were gonna have to they were gonna be able to get under the cap with some restructures and some minor cuts but they weren't going to be able to get much under the cap. And now with both of these guys gone and freeing up 18 million, almost $18 million just from those two players, the chiefs are in a position where people smarter than me have kind of done the math on this. They can do some restructures and they can do some extensions with guys like Tyron Matthew and they can get pretty far under the cap yep. and they can free up some pretty significant money to go be players in free agency. And the cap now, uh, just to kind of get into it, I mean, it's officially at $182.5 million. That's down from 198.2 in 2020. So it's down about $16 million. Mm -hmm. Chiefs are now currently at about $4.4 million over the cap after cutting their two tackles. They obviously are going to have to make some additional moves. But again, just by restructuring Mahomes' deal, they can do some work with Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, those longer-term deals that they have already on the books they can free up a lot of money just by changing the money around there. And then by extending Tyron Matthew, they could pre potentially get to $40, $50 million under the cap. And in this free agent class, which we're going to talk about in our next segment, that's a lot of money to play around with. Yeah, it's 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 definitely giving the Chiefs some ammo. And that's really all you want when you go into an offseason where, you know, with the cap shrinking and with all teams, not just the Chiefs, but a lot of teams are going to have to make some really hard decisions about cutting veterans that aren't necessarily bad football players, right. but just don't fit the economic structure of the team. And so eventually we're going to see the free agent market kind of flooded with these types of veterans where they can still contribute to a winning team. They're still going to be valued members. They're just not, they're going to go and be free agents. And when the money's low, 
veterans shift a little bit more in their thinking from getting the bag to getting the ring. That's kind of the the focus that they shift to is, okay, I can't go out and get my mega deal. I'm going to go jump on a team that's got a shot at going back to the Super Bowl. And that's really where the Chiefs are going to be able to reel in some bigger fish is obviously uh, given their last two Super Bowl appearances, they're, they're the team to go to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the way that I would put it, and I like the way that you phrased it, but like every team has players like Mitchell Schwartz and yep. Eric Fisher. Yep. And those guys are going to get cut from almost every team. We've already seen it with some of the other teams in the NFL, the Raiders, cut Gabe Jackson and Richie Incognito and traded Trent Brown for pennies on the dollar. We're going to probably talk a little bit more about the Raiders here in a little bit because they're just too funny, but every team is going to be making cuts like that. And we've, we've heard this predicted for a month now that this was going to be a bloodbath for veteran players. But the thing is, there are going to be veteran players cut from every team. And there are going to be guys like Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz from every other team in the NFL that are going to be now in free agency. And the chiefs then can come in and swoop those guys up for a lot less than the $18 million that they were going to pay against the cap for Fisher and Schwartz. So if they can get to a point where they free up $40 million to go spend in free agency, they could come away with maybe four five, six really good players on shorter deals or, you know, even on backloaded deals potentially, which kind of leads me into my next point. Charles Robinson of Yahoo reported that some in the NFL believe that the new TV deals will be double the current hmm. deal. So Seems way to go good. NFL. You, you made it through a pandemic and you're going to make twice as much money as before. The NFL is the billionaire class of the sports world, right? Like yeah. they're just, yep. they're just riding it out. They're like, all right, pandemic, whatever, you know, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll weather the storm. And then we're going to be, we're going to be twice as rich as we were before. The thinking is that the salary cap could be around $250 million within the next five years, which obviously would be up $60 million or almost $70 million from where we're going to play at this season. That's huge news. And we talked about it last year, obviously, you know, with an understanding that it might go down this season, but the chiefs in locking up all of their star players have really positioned themselves well going forward, because as the cap goes up, they can move money around and they can just make all kinds of deals that other teams might not be able to make. Yeah, it's uh, it's just really, really valuable when your uh, chairman and CEO is also the chairman of the finance committee. We've talked about this, you know, many, many times, but it just seems like the chiefs always have their fingers on the pulse of where the the financial direction of the league is going. And they made those great extensions last year and everyone was worried that, Oh, you you know, you can't just go out and pay everyone. Well, people are still saying that by the people way, people are still saying it and you can, you absolutely can. And all you have to do is massage the money and no one's shown to be better at that than Brant Tillis and the rest of the chief staff. So I, I just feel like until they don't, they're not able to turn $176 into four mega extensions. Like they were last year. Like everyone just needs to pump the brakes a little bit. Like this is okay. Everything's fine. They'll, when you look at the roster at this time next year, you'll wonder how the hell they pulled it off, but they always pull it off. Yeah, they're going to pull it off. I mean, there are some teams that just have the capability to pull it off. You know, the Saints were $50 million over the cap. They're now $30 million over the cap. They're going to find a way to get under somehow. Yep. Teams just The teams that know what they're doing with the cap, you know, they – they just they just know what they're doing. And there are some teams that are better at it than others. The Chiefs obviously made magic happen last year, and there's no reason I think they won't be able to do it again this year. I mean, it it's worth pointing out that although this is now kind of being reported and it's more official, especially the cap figure for this year, it's set in stone now. Mm-hmm. None of this was a surprise to the Chiefs 
and it it probably wasn't a surprise to a lot of the other teams either but the chiefs have have had an idea that this is what the cap number could be for a year and they've had a year to prepare for this now did they know that you know their left and right tackles were both going to suffer pretty gruesome injuries and maybe we're going to be the players on the chopping block i don't think that's something that they were necessarily planning on doing until you know pretty recently because obviously with the health of both players that that plays into it but certainly now having done that they give themselves an opportunity to be real players in free agency and it'll be really interesting to see kind of how that plays out over the coming week next week taylor is going to be it's going to be wild we're going to have to record at least on thursday again next week to make (laughs) sure that we catch all the news that reminds me there was another departure from the chiefs. It was announced that Austin Ryder would not be returning. So in addition to the two tackles and he was already scheduled to be a free agent, but they basically said he ain't coming back. Yeah. He gone. Yeah. It's um, the line's going to be just extremely different. And, you know, we were kind of prepared for this, but now it's an absolute reality. Like going into this week, even like if you had asked me gun to my head to project the starting five, you know, for next year, like I wouldn't have named anybody on the starting five last year. That's just not really, you know, I knew that it was going to change, but now the change is literally it's here and they're going to, they're going to draft and they're going to grab guys in free agency and they're going to test them all out in the, in the off season and they'll, they'll get a group together. Speaking of news, and this doesn't directly impact the chiefs, but it is interesting. Big, big news in the NFL this week, Dak Prescott, finally, after it seems like years and it, it has literally been, like two years at least that we've been hearing about this saga with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. They finally got a deal done after franchise tagging him. It, you know, looked like he could have been tagged again, four years, 160 million, $126 million guaranteed, which is an NFL record. Although practically speaking, right. All of Patrick Mahomes deal is guaranteed, you know, from a, from a practical standpoint. Um, but this is, up front, it's guaranteed. It's going to be paid no matter what. It includes a $66 million signing bonus, an NFL record $75 million total in his first year. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, I said this at the time. Obviously, the Chiefs got their extension done with Patrick Mahomes last July. The Cowboys could have paid Dak Prescott two years yeah. ago. Yeah, and they could have gotten him for a lot less than what they got and him they for could have got they could have gotten him for a lot less money. That the, the fact that the Chiefs were able to get a deal done with Patrick Mahomes before the Cowboys got a deal done with Dak Prescott, before the Texans yep. got a deal done with Deshaun Watson, is frankly astounding. And the, the fact that they got a 10-year deal done. I mean, every new quarterback extension, and we're going to see some more. We're going to see Josh Allen. Yep. We're going to see Lamar Jackson. They're both yep. going to get extensions this offseason. Baker Mayfield from that same quarterback class could maybe get an extension this offseason. With every new quarterbacks contract that you see going forward you're going to see just how unique and i, I don't know unique, advantageous yeah advantageous that the mahomes deal with the chiefs was mm-hmm. to, to both sides i mean yep. like i said practically speaking the way that that contract is structured all of that money is going to get guaranteed unless he suffers god forbid a catastrophic injury he's going to make half a billion dollars And the Chiefs, for their part, are able to move that money around for 10 years. And I wanted to talk about a little bit the Dak Prescott deal just because it has kind of some interesting mechanisms in it that really illustrate kind of what the Chiefs have with Mahomes and some of their other players that they have 
under contract, this DAC deal is actually technically a six-year deal with two voidable years to help with the cap manipulation. My understanding of how this works is, and I'm not a salary cap expert, but the way signing bonuses work is your signing bonus money is prorated across the length of your contract up to five years. So for example, if you sign a five-year deal with a $100 million signing bonus, that means that signing bonus is going to get paid out $20 million per year over five years. Yep. But let's say two years into that deal, you need the salary cap relief. We can add two voidable years onto the deal. And now we can spread the signing bonus out over five more years. So instead of having $60 million being spread out over you know, three more years of my deal at 20 million per, we can now spread it out over those additional voidable years. And now that signing bonus is being paid out at $12 million a year instead of $20 million a year. Boom, you've saved $8 million against the cap. Now, of course, the the downside to that is that now you've added two years where you're paying an additional $12 million where you weren't paying anything before. You've moved that the money always comes due. The bill always right. comes due. But by adding those voidable years and and converting sign, signing bonus to salary and vice versa, you can really massage your cap from year to year. And since the cap is always going up, you know, pushing that money out certainly gives you the opportunity to make some moves in the near term without really hurting yourself down the road. Yeah, it's it's neat. It's something that um, I don't know if it should be. I almost want to say I don't know if it should be allowed because if everyone's working with the same pool of money and everyone just keeps pushing their money to another pool that's going to keep growing, like it just feels like you should be pushing all of your contracts down the road. You should be kicking it's the can. It's basically how U.S. federal governments. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the Bobby Bonilla contract, but yes, you're right. Also, <laughs> the Fed, that's, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you borrow from tomorrow because you know you need it today and you don't know if you'll be around tomorrow to need it or to use it yeah. or, you know, it's just it. Who's going to collect on that national debt? Who who, who and what army? You who know? do like, we owe? Yeah. Who do we owe? How, <laughs> how does the U.S. economy work? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, um, it's it's very, it's it's that thing where when Mahomes signed the deal, and it was $500 million. You remember how many people said this is actually a steal? Like, yes. Basically, everyone who knew what the hell they were talking about. Because yes. 10 years at $500 million, you know, you're locking in. Sure, that's an average of 50. But it's going to the, – the cap is going to – the Chiefs are going to have so much more room to work with down the road that it's just – he's going to get – he's going to be like the fifth or sixth highest paid quarterback for most of his career, which considering he's the best one of his whole career, it's yeah, uh, bargain. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. I uh, I did want to bring up, since I just mentioned Bobby Bonilla, that my no relation namesake, Bobby Witt Jr., blasted a 484-foot home run for the mm. Royals the other day, which is the longest Royals home run in the StatCast era. Three weeks from opening day, how fired up are you about the Royals? You know, I'm more fired up about the Royals than I have been in yeah. a while. I will say that. I since we went to spring training. Yeah. Which would have been in 2016. We yeah, went the year right. after we won the world series. Yeah. That right. was, that was a fun time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they kind of have finally restocked the coffers, you know, in the minor leagues enough for the team to be interesting. They, they went through a phase here the last couple of years where they were both bad and like old and old yeah. and bad is no way to go through go through a baseball season. No. I mean, you know, that that's like shout out to like, you know, the the 2000 
2005 through 2008 Royals, you know, the Buddy Bell, the end mm-hmm. of the Tony Pena years, where you got guys like Denny Hawking out there, you know, <laughs> stinking up the joint. Uh, just just terrible. I mean, like, if you're going to be bad, at least play young players and, you know, let me let me see the potential out there. Uh, I Did you see that Bobby Witt Jr. and Patrick Mahomes are already kind of kind of buddying up on Twitter? Yes. How could they not? They are, you know, they're going to be the two kings of Kauffman, kings of Kansas City for the next little bit. And uh, yeah, I love their interaction so far. I think it's really fun. They're really not that different in age either, which is insane. Yeah, Bobby Witt is a little bit older for a high school prospect, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I know is always a little bit concerning, you know, relative age and all of that. I think he was 19 when he was drafted. So I, right. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, certainly the early returns are promising that Arizona air can uh, inflate a lot of hitting numbers. It's early in spring training, but Car- certainly Carlos like, Santana, Andrew Benintendi. I mean, they've got some, they got you some know, dudes. They got, they got some guys. They got some yep. guys. I, uh, I was at the Shields here in Northern Colorado the other day. And I saw the uh, Benintendi Red Sox jerseys were super discounted. So, you know, uh, I was thinking, you know, how how easy it would be for me to, like, convert that to a Royals jersey. None of the same colors, though. Can't get no. it done. I, I thought about it, but yeah. no, I'm not going to buy a $50 Red Sox Benintendi jersey and wear it around. That, that would make me look like an asshole. So I'm not going to do that. Taylor, we have a draft. We haven't done a draft in a little bit, so I'm excited for this. As I mentioned in the intro, legal tampering begins on Monday, 3.15 is the date, March 15th. I, I said 3.15. I realized that's confusing. People are going to think that the period the starts time. at the yeah. time. That, that wouldn't make any sense. Monday, March 15th. So basically, that means that free agency starts on Monday, March 15th. Legal yeah. tampering means <laughs> it, it's basically the start of free agency. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we are going to go through and draft our top free agent tar- targets. And this is such an interesting free agent draft class. And it became so much more interesting mm-hmm. given the chief's decisions today to cut both of their tackles that instead of doing our usual five per person draft, we're going to do 10 players each you and I, and we're going to talk about free agency. I think you guys know by now that we're not big draft guys because being informed about the draft requires a lot of work and grinding tape and things like that. And frankly, to be honest, Taylor, it involves watching college football. And I just, I'm not into that. Okay. But free agency, we're both into, we're, we're way in. Yeah. You know, they're NFL vets for the most part. Um, We've got a pretty good exposure to them playing at the highest level. We've, you know, we've gone up against them as chiefs fans usually. And we drafted them to our fantasy team. (laughs) A lot of times we've been fantasy owners of these players. So uh, yeah, there's definitely some familiarity here and uh, it's more, it's more our speed for sure. Now, do you know which of us gets to draft first? Because I get get to draft first this time. Okay. I'll take your, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) That's right. So um, we've obviously got some very, you know, some changed uh, perspectives here, some some changed priorities. I rewrote my entire draft board today. Yeah, exactly right. So um, I swapped up and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Joe Thune. Joe Thune. Interesting. Joe Thune. Uh, Yeah, Thune, Thune. I think it's Thune with a Thune. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So. Uh, reason being, obviously, uh, he comes from New England. He's a guard. The Chiefs need to rebuild the offensive line. He was extremely effective and, you know, productive in New England. He's 28, so he's still on the younger side of, I don't really want to get a young offensive lineman because, you know, they need a little bit of old man strength. But 
I also don't want to sign too many guys over 30 if I can help it. So he's kind of my sweet spot for the age that I want to go for. Gotcha. Um, so that's, you know, that's a lot of what, um, what I saw in him and, and just, we just need offensive line help. And I'm going to go offensive line here for uh, probably my first two picks, spoiler alert. So he's my first one. Hmm. Well, I'm also going to take an offensive lineman with my first pick. And this is where the draft style of this format gets, gets pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we're essentially drafting players that we want the chiefs to check in on and, you know, take a stab at, but unlike the real draft, you know, like, will the chiefs actually be able to sign these guys? I'm going to take Trent Williams and. Is he a free agent? He is, but there's a pretty, it's pretty obvious why I'm going to take him, right? Look, he's the best tackle on the market. He is 33. He's older. He's already kind of given an indication that he would really like to be back in San Francisco, which is weird to me because San Francisco stunk last year. Their quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it probably is pretty cool to play for Kyle Shanahan. Obviously his offense is a cheat code, but if I'm going out and I'm signing a tackle, he's the guy that I want. He's still a great player an elite tackle. And, you know, it's kind of hard to know what his market is. And it's going to be really interesting to find out on Monday because he's an older guy. He obviously is still playing at an extremely high level, but he's older than the two tackles that the Chiefs just cut. Okay. He's a better player than Eric Fisher. He's a better left tackle than Eric Fisher has ever been and still was even at his advanced age last year, but he probably is going to want quite a bit of money. Now he has not had a lot of playoff exposure in his career. He came from Washington. He sat out a year and then went to San Francisco and San Francisco, despite coming off of a Super Bowl the previous year appearance, Super Bowl appearance, I should say, sure. uh, did not make it back obviously this year. Um, I think he would be a guy that you could entice potentially with the promise of chasing a ring. And I, I got to think for offensive linemen, you know, as much as for offensive skill players, you, you got to think for offensive linemen, the ability to block for a future hall of fame quarterback and all time. Great. Patrick Mahomes is worth something. So I make that call. If I'm Brett Veach, I don't know if the chiefs are going to be able to do it. I don't know if they're going to be able to pay him the money that he needs. I don't know, but he's the guy that I would want. And so I'm going to take him with that pick. You're going to see my draft strategy change a little bit as we go throughout here, because some of these picks I'm taking high because I think there may be a little bit more realistic options. I'm not sure how realistic Trent Williams is, but given the need, I think he's, he's my choice there. So my second pick third overall is going to be Shaq Barrett. Nice. Great Defensive pick. end from Tampa Bay. And the reason for that is this, I mean, listen, edge rushers get paid a ton in free agency. I don't think he's very realistic either because I think some team is going to go crazy despite the cap going down and pay him mm-hmm. just a ridiculous amount of money. And he's probably going to want a ridiculous amount of money because he played on the tag uh, last year. The year before that, he find, signed kind of a one-year prove-it deal after the Broncos let him walk, and he had 19 and a half sacks. So, you know, he's still looking for his, his first big payday, and that probably is going to take the Chiefs out of the running. But if I could take a guy – and, you know, get him to sign. I want an edge rusher. It's definitely a need. 
and he's a great player. PFF grade over 74.0 in all six of his NFL seasons. He's a former Bronco and a former Buck, which adds a little narrative juice there, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't have any ill will towards us as a Buccaneer, obviously, because he beat the shit out of us in the Super Bowl. But, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> he feels like he owes us a little bit because, like, you know, he was beaten up on a bunch of trash that we were playing on our offensive line in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, you know he wants to beat the Broncos up twice a year. Of course he does. Of course he does. And who wouldn't? And, you know, I mean, if he's going up against Drew Locke twice a year, <laughs> come on, sign that sign that guy up for another 19 and a half sack season, right? Uh, uh, those are going to be my top two picks. I mean, these are older guys. These are guys that are blue chip premium free agents but that's where i'm going with my first two let me ask you something as far as need goes the chiefs two of their top three players in 2021 cap number are on the defensive line i know i mean it's just it's too much for me i looked at all the edge rushers we've got leonard williams and bud dupree and carl lawson a bunch of you know Jadavion Clowney, a bunch of guys on the edge i know a sense but like I just can't sign any of them. I just, if I'm looking at the roster, I don't, I can't take a chance on the D line. That's just me personally. I just don't want to do it. That is completely fair and completely valid. And I, I completely get that. I I will say that that is something that I considered in my board and something that you may see throughout the rest of my picks, but that's completely valid concern. Yep. We're not I doing still, best players available. We're doing best we're fits not. for the Chiefs. Best fits for the Chiefs. And it yeah. is it is a need despite the fact that two of yeah. the top <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what it totally, it totally which is, is. Which is not a good position to be in. No. It's an unfortunate position to no. be in. And we're hoping that, you know, Frank Clark returns to form. You know, who knows what his deal was in 2020. But, yeah, certainly the defensive line needs to be better. You're going to see maybe some bargain picks from me later in this draft. Spoiler alert. But it is yep. – Back to you at number four. Back to me. So I am going to go with Daryl Williams. Ah. And the reason that I'm going with Daryl Williams, for those who are listening who are thinking, uh, isn't Daryl Williams already a chief? (laughs) I love the idea of having two dudes on the team named Daryl Williams. This is Daryl Williams, the right tackle that played all 16 games, started all 16 games for the Bills last year. Uh, performed very, very well. He's 28. He's uh, He spent his first five years of his career in Carolina, where he played a lot there, and is just kind of another one of those late 20s tough tackles that, you know, that, that the Chiefs need to go out, and they need to entice some of these guys to come in and to rebuild this offensive line. I love the fact that his name is Daryl Williams. I think that's probably 90% of the reason why I would oh. slot I would slot him in here, if not 100%. 100%. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, he is a good player, and he is a position of need, and he is someone that fits my age profile there. So um, I'm all in on Daryl Williams, the right tackle. If the Chiefs sign him, uh, we're going to be doing an emergency pod on that one. I'd be fired up. Yeah, that would be fantastic. He was, I believe, second team All-Pro a couple of years ago. He did yep. have a pretty significant injury. Uh, a couple of years ago that he seems to be all the way back from. Obviously he was completely healthy and very good last year. He was on my board as well. That's a great pick. Who wouldn't want to have two Daryls? We're getting Damian Williams back. <laughs> two Daryl Williams. Williams. Yeah. We'll have two Daryl Williamses. We'll have a Damian Williams. We'll have a Damian Wilson. <laughs> yep. It would be bananas. I <laughs> love it. It's great pick. Okay. So now I'm getting a little, um, I guess, greedy, I would say with my next okay. pick. All right. Because, um, you know, I, as, as good as the Chiefs are on offense, they're going to be losing Sammy Watkins. We need a little bit of explosiveness on the offense. And I would just 
love to see what Will Fuller could do in a Chiefs uniform. Mm. I, I just think that combination with him and Tyreek and whatever other, you know, receiver threats that the Chiefs muster up for next year, I think it would be pretty game-breaking. And obviously the dude's got to stay healthy. Um, but, you know, he's replacing Sammy Watkins. So, like, as long as he's healthier than Sammy Watkins, I think <laughs> that's a net gain. And it's pretty hard not to be healthier than Sammy Watkins. So, um, I would obviously be excited about the speed there. I would be excited about him, you know, he, he and Tyreek doing some just just breaking the top off the defense on every play. It would be it would be wild. What's fun about this draft format is that the draft pick value, it kind of bakes in a lot of things about the player. And what I like about Will Fuller, who is also high on my board, is that I don't think he's going to cost yeah. that much. I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. But you have a player who has been injured a lot. Mm -hmm. He was just recently popped for PDs. In fact, he still has to serve one game of his suspension <laughs> in 2021. So we would miss week one. I love that discount. I think he might be a little bit cheaper than some of the other guys on the market. A guy like Juju, a guy like Kenny Galladay. Yep. I like I like that a lot. I like that pick, that solid value at five overall. And that brings it back to me at six, I've got a lot of different options here. I'm going to throw out another guy. I'm going to throw out another edge rush, edge rusher with the caveat. Ooh, of course. Wow. I Listen, listen, <laughs> I heard you. I understand we have a lot of money already tied up in the defensive line. I get it. I get it. You're, you're right about that, Taylor. I'm going to throw out Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Here's why. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's good. And he's also coming off of a major injury. And, you know, this is kind of going to be a little bit of a theme, I think probably for both of us, because we mm -hmm. have similar ways of valuing players. When you're going after guys in free agency, the only way you're going to get a deal in free agency is either if you are paying for a player or you you lock up a player that is coming off an injury or was coming off a season where they weren't very good and expecting them to come back healthy or rebound from a poor season of bad production, or you are paying for a young player who maybe has not gotten major starting reps and doing some projection. And those are the only ways you're going to get discounts in free agency. And while edge rushers traditionally, you know, command a lot of money in free agency, I'm baking on Bud Dupree, maybe taking a little bit of an injury discount. And it makes sense, right? I'm not saying this is for sure going to happen, but if you're a guy that's coming off an injury and you're coming out as a free agent in a year where the cap has just gone down, by $18 million or $16 million, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yep. What you want to do is come out, show that you're healthy, and then hit free agency again next year yep. when the cap is back to normal. I think for Bud Dupree taking a one-year deal with the Chiefs, proving that he's healthy and trying to know, win a ring, trying to win a ring. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with Chris Jones and hopefully Frank Clark showing a little juice, maybe Taco Charlton, if the Chiefs can get him back into the mix. Mm. What better way to come out and make bank next year than to do that? So he's my pick at six. And then at seven, because I think I kind of get what your overall draft strategy is here. And you I want to kind of don't you snipe me. I don't know if I'm going to snipe you. I have to take Corey Lindsley. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was high. It wasn't my next pick, but he was high. You already had uh, you already had an offensive lineman. You already had the Joe, the Joe Tooney, Joe Tooney thing going. However we say his name, it's, it's yeah. fine. Don't, yeah. don't add us on Twitter. It's fine. I don't really care. If he becomes a chief, I will learn how to properly pronounce his name. <laughs> 
Corey Lindsley, though, is a center from Green Bay, great player, and still kind of, I mean, still in his 20s, he's 29. You know, similarly to kind of what you've said about how you value offensive linemen and how you want to kind of attack offensive linemen in the draft. Um, I think going after a center, and the Chiefs do need a center now with the news that they're going to let Austin Ryder hit free agency. They're not going to retain him. Getting a really good center, you know, traditionally you want to value the tackles. And the the further out on the line you go from the tackles in, those players are more valuable. You get to center, it's not a super valuable position. The Chiefs mm-hmm. traditionally, since they let Mitch Morse walk, they really have not invested in the center position at all. Uh, they had before Mitch Morse, you know, Rodney Hudson was in there for a while. The Chiefs had some really good centers and have had a really good track record of developing centers. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to do that in the last couple of drafts. So I think you spend a little bit of money, you bring in a center, you shore up the center of your offensive line. You're good for three or four years with this deal. You're paying less money because this is a less valuable offensive line position, but I think it solves a need and you can build out from there. I think the chiefs need to solidify at least one position on the offensive line with a solid veteran player because you know, there are going to be rookies in there, whether it's Niang, whether it's an additional draft pick, whoever, you're going to have some youth on there. Uh-huh. You need to have some experience to hold that line down. Why not in the middle of the offensive line? That's why I'm taking Corey Lindsley there. Yep. I like that pick a lot. He was definitely probably third or so up on my list, but that frees me up for a guy that has been a free agent target of mine for the chiefs for two seasons now that it hasn't worked hmm. out. But I would uh, I would just like to see if the hype is worth it. And I think the deal would be pretty favorable considering he's 31. And that is, of course, Patrick Peterson. I think that Patrick Peterson would be a ton of fun. He's obviously tight with um, Tyron Matthew and he's a playmaker and the Chiefs have a needed cornerback, obviously. And he's very versatile and, and just kind of brings a lot of the same, um, I would say, energy that the Matthew signing kind of signaled that Veach was looking for. And I think that uh, Pat Pete is going to try and uh, you know, he's going to try and show that he's still got it and what better team than a team like the chiefs to uh, go out and, and show out and show you're still one of the best in the game. So I think it's pretty self-explanatory there, but um, he's my guy at eight overall. Good pick. Good pick. Thank you. And then for nine, I'm, this is more of a pick that I would like to slot this player in a different position than where I think he would like to play. Hmm, Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So I would love daydream love for Jonu Smith to be tight end two on the chiefs. Hmm, Okay. Yep. And, And I just don't know if he'd be down for playing with Travis Kelsey. Maybe he would, maybe that's something that, um, you know, both of them being out there kind of maybe have like a Gronk Aaron Hernandez thing where they're just both productive. I don't know, but hopefully neither of them. Ah, yeah. As soon as I said that, I was like, well, you know, <laughs> off the field. No, but listen, um, listen, we just have to acknowledge this is, this is how, what we talked about in the mailbag a couple of weeks ago. You know, this is just how we have to acknowledge problematic people. You know, yeah. you said Gronk Aaron Hernandez. I just had to throw in the disclaimer right. that Aaron Hernandez murdered a couple of guys. And uh, yeah, we're, we're good. Yep. Yep. yep we're good. Yep. So Johnny Smith, he would be a guy that would obviously add a very interesting dynamic to the chiefs offense to have a, a great tight end too. I mean, he would be, you know, he's probably a top 20 tight end in the NFL, if not higher than that, because tight end sucks. And uh, I think that that would be fun. I just don't know if he would be okay with it, but if he would sign me up. 
Yeah, he was on my board as well, further down. But I get where you're going with it. Tight end two certainly is a position that the Chiefs, I think, would love to upgrade. I don't know if this is the year to be able to do it with the cap being down and them having so many other needs. But I like where your head's at. I'm going to go with a premium position myself at number 10. And I'm pretty excited this guy fell to me at number 10. I'm going to go with Juju. Yeah, nice. I'm going to take Juju Smith-Schuster. And here's what I love about Juju. Uh, You know, he's had a very weird kind of career. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was great as a rookie. He was great early on in his career. He came into the NFL super young. He's still only 24 years old. For a 24-year-old with his pedigree to have accomplished what he has accomplished so far in his career and to hit free agency at 24 years old, you'd think that he would be – you know, he'd be commanding just an unbelievable amount of money on the open market. He caught uh, 58 passes for 917 yards and seven touchdowns in his rookie season, which for a rookie is fantastic. And in his second year, he had 1,426 yards and seven touchdowns. That's incredible. Good Lord. He was on my fantasy team. I loved him. He was. And then he kind of stunk the last two years, 552 yards in 12 games in 2019 and 831 yards last year in 16 games, 14 starts, a career high nine touchdowns for him last year. You know, he played opposite Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. obviously those first couple of years in Pittsburgh where he was really tearing it up. And I think he struggled maybe a little bit as an alpha in Pittsburgh. He certainly struggled having Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback because Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, he's, he's fat and old and he can't throw the ball downfield anymore. You know, his average depth of target, his yards per target last year is 6.5, 6.5 yards per target. And he got 831 yards receiving. I mean, their offense was so trash. It was, it was, it was trash and it was tragic. And boy, he would be, he would be for me an ideal number two wide receiver in Kansas city. He can do a lot of different things. He's got speed. He's a good route runner. He can mm-hmm. go over the middle. He's basically like a young, healthy Sammy Watkins in sure. my mind is kind sure. of what we're looking at here. And l- listen, I mean, Sammy, we saw it when playoff Sammy was doing his thing last year, Sammy Watkins, when he was healthy, was the perfect complimentary receiver for the chiefs offense. The problem yep. was he was never healthy. And even when he was healthy, sometimes he just, he wasn't there. He was in outer space. Think about the player that we've comped with Tyreek Hill quite a bit. And to me, that's Antonio Brown. They're the same height, same weight. Sure. Yep. And you know, a lot of the same impact that they had with the home run hitting and all that stuff. And clearly that's the type of receiver that Juju would work very well with. We saw that. Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I don't know what the wide receiver market is going to be like in this draft uh, or in this free agency class. It's going to be really interesting to see what some of these guys get paid because nobody is going to be going out and getting record-breaking deals in this class. And wide receiver is a position that, you know, you see that market reset pretty much every year. It's one of those premium positions where it seems like those deals are always going up. Well, that's not going to happen this year. And it's not going to happen with Juju because he's not, you know, a Michael Thomas or a Tyree kill or, you know, Antonio Brown in his prime. He's a complimentary wide receiver. I think there's a chance the Chiefs could get it done, and I would like to see it. So he's my pick at number 10. Going on to number 11 here, I'm going to go with a guy that I would consider to be a value signing, kind of a a diamond in the rough here, and that's Romeo Aquara Edge from the Detroit Lions. So he is a guy (laughs) who previously played under Steve Spagnuolo, for two years in uh, in New York, uh, 2016, 2017, his first two years in the league. 
rotational guy wasn't getting a lot of snaps. He kind of broke out last year for the lions. And this is not a guy that was really on my radar before we started getting prepared for free agency, because let's be honest, I don't watch a lot of lions football. And hmm. there's a reason for that. It's and neither the, do Detroit the fans. Exactly. They stink and they're uninteresting, but old Romeo last year, 10 sacks in nine starts, career high 10 sacks. He did have seven and a half sacks his first year in Detroit in 2018. He's just 25 years old, but he's not, you know, a big name. He's not a premium edge rusher. And I think he could be a great fit in this defense. Steve Spagnuolo is obviously a, a guy that he has some familiarity with. He didn't do a lot in New York under Steve Spagnuolo, but I think that Spags, I mean, clearly Spags would have had some, some influence on who the Giants were drafting when he was there. Yep. Clearly a guy that he felt like would be a fit for his scheme. I think he would be a great fit for the Chiefs. And so he's my pick at 10, or excuse me, at 11. I think there's some great value there with Romeo Aquara. Yeah, I think that's a that's a solid pick. Obviously, he's on Spag's radar already. So if he's a, a guy that, you know, they're looking to fill someone like him, I think that would be someone that Spags would be uh, interested in for sure. Um, I am insanely curious. You've gone three edge rushers and I just feel like that's I mean, like listen. your your team is berserk, but, you know, <laughs> that's that's how it goes. That's all right. You also you, you got Juju. You got some good, good guys. I am going to take with number 12 overall, I'm going to take an inside linebacker that's played his first four years in Tennessee, fractured his elbow after his 10th start last year. That is Jayon Brown. And he's the type of guy, he's 26. He's six foot two twenty six. He's kind of, he's got a lot of, he's got three picks in his career and he's got four fumble forced and he's got, you know, uh, um, He's got nine and a half sacks in his four years. So he kind of just does a little bit of everything. And, yeah, fills up the stat sheet. And man, inside linebacker is just something that even if everyone else was healthy on the team, that's been a position of need for a long time since Derek Johnson left. And that's um, that's something that I feel that even with Willie Gay and even with kind of some of the linebacker changes over the last couple of years, they still need a little bit more juice at that position. And I just feel like he would not command a ton of money, especially coming off of an elbow injury. We've talked about this earlier that that's kind of, um, you know, gives us a little discount there. It's uh, a little free agency hack. Yeah, exactly. It's like the only hack there is in free agency. Well, you got the Juju TikTok hack. He's going to have a TikTok discount because he was dancing on everybody's <laughs> sure. logo. But other sure. than that, that's about the only other one we've got. So uh, Jay on Brown, he's my pick there at 11. And then at 12, number 12. at 12, correct? Yes. And then at number 13, I... I got to dip back into the wide receiver pool just because they're sure. exciting and fun. And they are so I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Kenny G. I feel okay. like Kenny Galladay's got a, a pretty high ceiling. Um, he's, you know, he's made a lot of plays in Detroit and is 27 and kind of, if, if they don't go after somebody like Juju or Fuller or any of the other big name uh, wide receivers, he would certainly, you know, uh, hold himself well in the Kansas city offense and, a guy that I think Mahomes would have a lot of fun throwing to. So uh Galladay is a pretty safe pick. I think there he's, you know, he's going to, he's going to make some money on the, on the market, but uh I'd love if the chiefs got him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's another guy. I mean, this kind of all of the premium players on here, what you're banking on is that they might be willing to take a shorter deal yep. so they can hit free agency again and really max out their earnings. And 
Galladay is a guy at 27 where he's kind of in that sweet spot where if he takes a one-year deal, he's going back on the market at 28, you know, could be, could be pretty beneficial. And he was hurt last year. He, he only played in five games. That's our so hack. You might get, you might get a little bit of an injury discount there. He played in Detroit. So he's certainly has not been on a lot of winning squads. Nope. You know, you, you kind of have a little bit of an in there and all of those aspects with Kenny Galladay. I like that pick a lot. And I like him as a guy and Juju is kind of a, is as uh as ripped as jacked as kenny galladay is <laughs> but but a bigger guy like yeah. he's six foot four you know yeah, we're nickname, trying to replace sammy <laughs> his nickname is babytron right like yeah the chiefs have not had a bigger bodied you know wide receiver too i mean sammy Watkins six foot three he's got a yeah. little bit of size on him but it would be fun to see kenny galladay in this offense i think the chiefs could do some really interesting stuff with him you know Travis Kelsey's kind of like the the big target in this offense, but he's yeah. also so shifty and he's so good at getting open. I mean, like I think having a guy whose skill set is size and boxing people out and being able to make contested catches is something that certainly Mahomes could take huge advantage of with his mm-hmm. ability to place the ball, you know, anywhere he wants to and to throw the ball down the field, you know, in contested catch situations. I like it. It's a good pick. He certainly was on my board as well. Well, and also how attractive would a one-year deal in Kansas City where you figure, I've got to show out my one year. I've got to, you know, I've got to hit the ground running. I've got to put up numbers because I'm going to sign another deal next year. And why not go into the offense with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes? I mean, you know you're going to eat, so. Sure. Yep, exactly. I like it. It's a good pick. I've got two back-to-back here, 14 and 15 overall. And I got to look at my board here because I, you know, there's a lot of premium edge rushers on the board. So. <laughs> I'm going to take Leonard Williams and Trey Hawkins. Yeah, Trey, Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson, uh, edge from New Orleans, edge from Cincinnati. Those are both both players that I have on my board. <laughs> I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. You've kind of already dipped into this pool a little bit, but I'm going to take Hunter Henry. Sure. Uh, tight end from the Chargers. There certainly is a troll aspect to this on some yeah. level because taking players from a former, you know, from a division rival and then turning them into stars is uh, is something that I really enjoy doing whenever it happens. You know, the Chiefs tried to do it a few years ago with David Amerson. Didn't quite work out with him. <laughs> uh, he, he got cut, you know, <laughs> after week four of training camp or whatever it was. But God, Hunter Henry, I, you know, it's hard to know. This is just a weird market. We've talked about it, obviously, the whole pod. But, you know, tight end is not a a position that you're going to be making a giant deal unless you're George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. He's obviously not either of those guys. It's also, you know, an offseason where there's not a lot of money available. So is there a team out there that's going to pay Hunter Henry, who has quite a bit of injuries in his past? Is there a team that's going to come out and pay, you know, 14 13, $14 million a year to Hunter Henry for, you know, three or four years. I really doubt it. And if there isn't, that means the chiefs are in a position where they could potentially uh, offer Hunter Henry a deal that he would take maybe a one or two year deal around 10 million per that's a lot for a backup tight end, but man, again, with the Gronk Aaron Hernandez thing, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the chiefs could run, you know, Andy Reid loves tight ends. His first few years, especially uh, even before Travis Kelsey kind of established himself, you know, with Alex Smith, the Chiefs were doing a lot of two and three tight end sets. They've gotten away from it a little bit because they haven't really had 
second and third tight ends that they really like. But even in Mahomes' first year when they still had Demetrius Harris here, they were doing quite a bit of stuff with that. And I think yeah. Andy Reid really would enjoy being able to run more two tight end sets. Hunter Henry's a guy that certainly is a very capable receiver, great red zone weapon, good blocker. Uh, he's a guy that I would maybe be intrigued to throw a little bit of money at. I would certainly uh, make the call and see what his asking price would be. Um, I'm going to go. So I'm kind of almost trolling you at this point That's a little fine. bit. Because I'm gonna go with another. I'm gonna go with another. I'm gonna go with another edge rusher here. Yeah, perfect. Because you know we might as well just call every edge rusher and see what their price tag is and say, hey, you wanna you wanna come edge rush for the Chiefs? Our Uh offensive line, our defensive line, gets paid a lot of money and they kind of stink. I'm gonna go with. I'm going further down my board because I really do. I have taken a heart, Taylor. Your criticism, which is true, <laughs> that the Chiefs have spent an absurd amount of money on their defensive line, and they can't really afford to spend that much more money on their defensive line. No, I, I get that. So this is me sort of just realizing in real time that I need I need more edge rushers, but I need affordable edge rushers, right? So you know, you saw my last pick on the edge. I was going with Romeo Aguara. Now I'm going to go with. Listen, people have been trying this for years. Okay, this this will be like the third year in a row that a team has tried to get Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, and make to it do work. something and yeah. make it work. You know, he was traded to Seattle on a one year deal. He kind of stunk in Seattle. He couldn't get resigned in Seattle. He was unemployed for a long time. He signed a one year deal with Tennessee. He literally did not record one single sack for the Titans. He was terrible. He got hurt. I'm going back to the Jadavion Clowney well one more time <laughs> and. He's a guy that, again, now I'm trying kind of a different tack with my edge rusher thing. I get it. We've paid our edge rushers a lot of money. I don't think you have to pay Genevion Clowney that much because he stunk last year. And he's a guy that's been going year to year for years trying to get a big payday. And he's just not going to get it. At this point, Genevion, it's done. This might be his last chance, you know, to go out, show out, have a great year, and give himself a position, you know, in his late 20s. I think he's 28 now to get a multi-year, you know, big deal. Mm -hmm. So why not go out, offer him a one-year deal, see if he'll take it. Jadavion Clowney is my pick at 15 back to the edge rusher. You are, uh, you're playing at one of my all-time football wishes ever since Jadavion Clowney busted through the line and tackled Denard Robinson at Michigan. And absolutely, that's the hardest tackle I've ever seen. I mean, mean, he laid him out that made Jadavion Clowney's entire career it and he wasn't even in the NFL yet it did Everybody and, that hit. yeah and ever since that moment I've wanted that guy on my team I don't care if it ever happens again I've just I just feel like that hit deserves some love and I love that I I feel like if he joined the Chiefs I would be fired up I don't even care if he does anything I just I like the guy so that's 15 at 16 I'm going to I'm going to get a little bit divisional trolley like you did with um, Ooh, Hunter Henry. It. Yeah. And I think it would be really funny to sign Nelson Aguilar. Oh, wow. <laughs> For this. like a million reasons. But I mean, <laughs> obviously um, after his time in Vegas, Oakland, whatever, um, and including the game in Arrowhead where he busted over the top and all that stuff, he's got speed. He's 28. Um it would be really, really, really funny to use him to toast the Raiders right back. Um, I've always 
I love the video of uh, yeah, of course. You were dropping him, not unlike Aguilar. <laughs> um, so I mean, it's just uh, he'd be fun. He'd be a fun signing. I don't think he's particularly good, but I think he'd be cheap, and that's kind of where where we're at with that. Yeah, he could be a decent wide receiver too. I I, I appreciate where we're getting. You think that's a trolley pick? You just wait until we get to <laughs> my, my last yeah. couple of picks. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So that's sixteen overall is Nelson Aguilar. With 17, I will probably see if Bashad Breland's interested in coming back. Mm, I think that um, he fits the team really well. And obviously, he's kind of one of those vets that, like, he's got the name recognition. He hasn't gotten the payday yet, or at least not. You know, his last couple deals have all been one-year prove-it deals, and he's proven it. I mean, he's been a good player. And uh, he might as well uh, run it back with us one more time. I like that. I like where you're going with that. Now, I have 18 and 19 here. And these are my last two picks. So uh, yep. let me just take a look yeah. at my board here. Have a little fun. Um, some guys that I've got on my, my board, Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson mentioned them. <laughs> edge rushers. I've already taken like five edge rushers. Matthew Judon, Yannick and Godfrey. <laughs> yeah. I can't, yeah. can't, can't do any more of those. Uh, Curtis Samuel, a wide receiver, a guy that I really liked and thought I might slip in earlier. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't break that way on the board, but he's a player that I enjoy. Uh, you know, on the 25 uh, and fast too. He's good. Yeah. 25 and fast and he can run as well. A guy that's very versatile that you can use in the run game. Uh, You know, sticking with the division troll theme, I had Melvin Ingram on my list as maybe a a discount guy. I went with Clowney instead because I can't imagine that Clowney will cost more than like $5 to sign (laughs) at this point. Uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, probably would cost a little bit more than that, but man, you want to talk about troll picks, but, but these are serious picks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, at number 18, I'm going to call Antonio Brown's agent. Yes! Right. Okay. Oh, wait. Is, is he not confirmed to come back with? No, he's not. Yeah, he's, he's a free not. agent. Yeah, no, yeah. He's legit. a free agent. He's a free I agent. I love it. Uh, I mean, listen. Antonio Brown is a psychopath, like yes. a legitimate psychopath. Confirmed. And he's not as good of a player as he used to be. And he did just beat us in the Super Bowl, and he's super best friends with Tom Brady, all of which is extremely offensive to me. Okay. Uh, very problematic individual, very problematic person. I'm going to see how much money he wants because I got to say, as problematic as he is as a person, he still can play football. Mm-hmm. And he, as a wide receiver, too in the Chiefs offense would be outrageous having Antonio Brown, Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey on the same field with Patrick Mahomes, throwing them in the ball that blows away what the bucks were doing. And the bucks had a very potent offense cooking, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown is the wide receiver three throw in, you know, Scotty Miller and his 4.2 in his mind speed. Scotty doesn't know. So, <laughs> yeah. Rob Gronkowski. Good situation that they had going there. That combination in Kansas City would be outrageous. And, you know, I think we talked about this last offseason when Antonio Brown was kind of going through his latest saga. Brett Veach actually has vocally praised Antonio Brown more than once. Like he he has given multiple interviews where he basically says like, oh, yeah, this is the kind of wide receiver that we look for in the draft. Mm -hmm. A guy that understands route running that understands how to extend plays that understands how to find soft spots and coverage and just plays his ass off. And as psychopathic as Antonio Brown is, I'm making that call just as a, a, you know, doing my due diligence. Okay. I'm going to do that. Hey man, tons of psychopaths have been really good football players. Sure. 
Exactly. You got to be a little bit crazy. It's a crazy sport. Now, you know, the legal problems. Okay, that's fine. That would give our divisional rivals and and haters a field day if we signed Antonio Brown. Whatever. That's fine. They can hate. Haters going to hate. Antonio Brown. Yeah, they're going to hate anyway. So we might as well lean into it. All right. So this one here. Okay. I'm I'm proud of this one. You're not going to understand it, but I'm going to I'm going to justify myself. Sure. I'm taking Cam Newton. Number 19. Cam Newton. Okay. Okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Number one, the Chiefs need a backup quarterback. Chad Henney's deal has expired. Matt Moore is probably going to go back to high, coaching high school football, whatever it is. Okay. Number two, Cam Newton is not going to get paid to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. No, he was it's not awful happen. last year. He was bad for the Patriots last year, and he probably is not going to get the chance to be a starter again. But here's why I'm calling Cam Newton. Oh, I know. Number one, number one the Chiefs need a backup. Mm-hmm. Number two, Andy Reid could maybe fix Cam Newton and maybe turn him into something that could be a valuable bargaining chip down the road. Like maybe you, when would we find out that he was fixed? Yeah, that's in in practice. I'm getting to that. I'm getting that Taylor. I'm getting that Taylor. Listen, yeah, here's the thing with Cam Newton. You know what the chiefs will never do with Patrick Mahomes again. (laughs) <laughs> any of the stuff they've done that's gotten him hurt so far yeah run a quarterback sneak or a speed <laughs> yeah. or a speed option <laughs> yeah for so sure patrick mahomes has gotten hurt on a quarterback sneak and a speed option uh-huh. in uh denver in 2019 and then uh-huh. last year in the playoffs against cleveland you know what cam newton is really good at those things both of those things the the colts proved that this is viable all yeah. right the Col- i didn't think yeah. i didn't think it was possible but the Colts literally just put Jacoby Brissett on the field to run quarterback sneaks because Philip Rivers wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I, I tweeted about this a couple of times last year. Like I'd be watching football and I'd just be like casually paying attention to the Colts game. And I'd say Jacoby Brissett, like two yard rushing touchdown. And I like, mm-hmm. how do teams keep falling for this? Like you took Philip Rivers out of the game and you put in Jacoby Brissett, you're going to run a sneak. But it just works. It works because it's it's an unstoppable play. If yeah. you have the personnel to run it, yep. and Cam Newton is like the best short yardage running quarterback ever, of all time, yeah. ever. And the Chiefs could use that. Like mm-hmm. you want to talk about all the problems the Chiefs had in short yardage last year? Bring in Cam Newton. Run him out of the wildcat. Like run him out of the backfield. Like turn him Put into him a second in running back. Time. Put them both in at the same time. Run, you know, those goofy plays that that uh, you know. Um, that Baltimore was running with Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco when they were both on the same team. Oh yeah. Except instead of, instead of Joe Flacco, you have Patrick, (laughs) right? Like I just, we've talked about this before when the Eagles drafted Jalen hurts and they had Jalen hurts and Carson Wentz, you know, like when are we going to see the next step of offensive evolution in the NFL with quarterback, multiple guys on the field who can throw and run. Yep. And, I'm calling Cam Newton. I'm seeing what he wants to take. If he'll sign a deal to be the chief's backup for one or $2 million, sign me up. You know, you know who, uh, you know, who had his best years in the NFL under Andy Reid, Michael Vick. Yeah. And Michael Vick was a, he was a better arm talent than Cam Newton, but Cam Newton's got a great arm. He just doesn't know how to throw the ball straight. He can't point it anywhere. His mechanics are goofy. And I don't think that he's necessarily the smartest guy, but yeah, I think the Chiefs could do incredible, amazing things with Cam Newton on their team. I'm calling Cam Newton Chiefs backup. Whatever, bring it on. That's a good. That's a good pick. Nineteen there. I definitely um, thought you were a little bit wacky with it at first, but I'm completely on board now. Another thing is when you profile a backup quarterback. We've talked about this before, but you kind of don't want a guy that's exactly like your starter. You don't. 
no, you know, no. you, you want a guy that the other team, you know, isn't prepared for and all that type of stuff. And Cam is obviously um, basically the opposite of Patrick Mahomes other yeah. than they can both run because Patrick can do everything, but like Cam can't throw and can run very well. So, I mean, that's great. Yep. I get it. Um, that's, that's a good round out for your team with my final pick. Um, I was thinking, you know, we talked about a couple of those wide receivers. Uh, we also talked about, um, well, I was thinking, you know, a guy like T.Y. Hilton or Marvin Jones, who are both mm-hmm. 31, sure, but, a, a but a, a, yeah, a good wide receiver or a good veteran wide receiver for the price. Um, I was also thinking there are a couple um, safeties and, you know, there's some decent running backs with Chris Carson, Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake and Marlon Mack, but not really anybody that the Chiefs need for sure. So I am going to bring back Justin Houston with the 20th pick. Oh, okay. I like it. I, yeah. I think that, um, you know, he's proven. You finally dip into the edge rusher pool. Yeah, I am. That's my, that's, my, that's my only edge rusher that I drafted. <laughs> and part of that is obviously, like I said at the top, just the, the money in, in edge. We, the Chiefs got to go in a different direction. But Houston's proven with Indy that he's still a capable player. He's still obviously able to get it done. Um, now that he's going to hit the market again, he's older than when he left the chiefs the first time. And, you know, as long as there's no bad blood there, which I don't know if there's any bad blood, but I don't necessarily think cutting him was a shock to anybody when it happened. And, uh, he's had a good run in Indy. So bring him on back, get him a ring. Sure. I like that. That's uh that's a good way to close out the draft. Do you have any honorable mentions, anybody else on your draft board that we haven't talked about? Because um, we, went, we went 20 deep here. Yeah. I made a 50 deep draft board. So sure. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I uh, was looking at um, KJ Wright and Levante David at linebacker. Yeah. Levante David has since resigned with the Buccaneers, but he was on my board before he sure, resigned. Yeah. Um, the safety group was Malik Hooker and Marcus Williams. And of course, John Johnson. <laughs> John Johnson. <laughs> And uh, all those edge rushers that we kept talking about over and over again that we didn't end up drafting, like Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson and Matthew Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Floyd, Shelby Harris, Hassan Reddick. I mean, there's Carlos Dunlap. They're all over the place. A lot uh, of potential value adds there, too. I mean, obviously, I drafted a couple, and Justin Houston would be a guy that I would consider maybe a value option. But, yeah. Uh, and then interesting a cornerback, Shaquille Griffin, William Jackson, Jason Verrett, Ronald Darby, Mike Hilton. Some good, solid you know, they've all had pretty good careers so far and they're in their late twenties. So, I mean, yeah, I had a couple of guys there. to add to that too. Yeah. For honorable mentions on the cornerback group, I had, um, Quentin Dunbar with Seattle who, uh, yeah. you know, had that uh, little scare where he was going to be, yeah, he was going to be, yeah, he was going to be uh, prosecuted for, you know, robbery. And then he, uh, he didn't end up getting charged for that. And then he went to Seattle and he was a really good player two years ago, kind of had a, a down year with Seattle, but he could be interesting. He's still kind of young. And Jason Verrett was another one that I had, uh, yeah. you know, former charger who was always great when he was on the field. He was never on the field. He finally had a healthy year with the 49ers. It was pretty good. Um, he's another guy that, you know, I mean, you could, you could take a shot at him. Kyle Juszczyk is a free agent. He'd, huh. he'd be kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, with the sausage obviously gone. the sausage is gone and uh-huh. uh, Kyle Juszczyk is certainly is a, a very versatile player. We saw that in the Super Bowl. You know, he lines up all over the place. He would be fun in an Andy Reid offense. He's 30, so he's still probably got a couple of couple of good years yet. Yeah, I mean, a he's a of, fullback. A he probably has guys. 10 years left. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, yeah. interesting. Really super interesting uh, class. That was a fun little exercise. Agreed. Can't wait to see who the Chiefs are calling on Monday. 
And that brings us, Taylor, to our final segment, which is another one of our signature segments. I don't know if we can call a draft a signature segment because <laughs> other other podcasts do drafts. And we're not the only podcast to draft things, although I have to say we do it better than anybody else. But this roast segment, this, this is a unique segment. I, I don't know anybody else on the internet that's doing football podcasts that's, that's doing roasts. We're, we're the roasters. They don't have the balls for it, man. They're too afraid to ruffle feathers. We don't give that's a right. fuck. We don't, we don't, we don't. And we are going to prove it by roasting the 2013 draft class. So this came from one of our birds of war a couple weeks ago at fun and James 85 possible podcast topic roast the 2013 quarterback draft class from the year when the chiefs had the number one overall pick. This was a good starting point for us, but we decided to go deeper and we enjoyed the prep for this so much that we're going to roast some more draft class in subsequent episodes, but we're going to expand this. The quarterback, class is very bad and we'll start with them boy are they awful but man this whole draft class was just it was uh it was preposterous is what it was it was terrible so without further ado taylor let's let's get into this class and as fun and james 85 mentioned this was andy reed's first draft this was the year that the chiefs had the number one overall pick and so you know, leading up to this draft, you know, this is the first time in our lifetimes that the Chiefs said, in fact, I think it was the first time ever, wasn't it, that the Chiefs had the first overall pick? Is that right? Uh, I certainly can't think of another year they would have. Yeah, I think that's right. That sounds I right. Think that, I think that's right. And uh, this was on the heels. The Royals had recently had a number one overall pick. They took Luke Hochaver. Mm-hmm. And that had been the first time the Royals had had had, had the number one overall pick. Chiefs get into this class they take eric fisher with the number one overall pick there were a lot of discussions about other guys that they could have taken quarterbacks geno smith was a hot name for a while but let's talk about this quarterback class taylor because man i I mean this is this is like you've crunched some numbers and i'd be interested to know if you pulled any on quarterback specifically but this is this has got to be one of the worst quarterback draft classes of all time yeah, I do wish I had the quarterback classes compared to each other because I don't. But our instinct here that it's one of the worst classes is just based. I mean, we obviously looking at the names, we can go through the names right now or we can go kind of let's yeah. let's just do that. Let's yeah. just go through the names. Do it. So I have them sorted on my uh, board by career fantasy points. Because okay. I feel that's their fantasy I just use, not because it's fantasy football, but because it wraps up yards and touchdowns and picks and and all this, you know, it's just a good overall wrapper number for how a player has done. So of the, let's see, this is eight quarterbacks that were taken in this class. There are Geno Smith. It ranks number one of all of them in career fantasy points. Sure. With 384. All right. Sure. Which is like a season and a half of points. Like that's, that's, that's That's a a lot of points. That's a bad career. Yeah. And then I'm just going to bang him out. Number two through eight. We've got Mike Glennon at 366, who recently had some action back in 2020 with the Jags. EJ Manuel, 252. Matt Barkley, 104. Landry Jones, 65. Ryan Nassib, nine. BJ Daniels, two. And Sean Renfrey, negative (laughs) 1.56. I was not expecting that last one. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I, I just uh, I'm going to go through this. So so this is where these guys were drafted in this class. Yeah. EJ Manuel was the only first round quarterback in this draft class. Yep. He was taken by Buffalo 16 overall. He made 18 career starts. OK, man, not very good. Geno Smith was the second guy off the board. He was taken with a 39th overall pick in the second round. 
he made it to 31 starts. So mm-hmm. 380 fantasy points and 31 career right. starts. Right. <laughs> not great. Not, not, <laughs> not great. great. Not great. Mike Glennon, 27 starts. So he ended up with the second most starts in this class. He was a third round pick, 73rd overall. Matt Barkley, seven starts. And Landry Jones, uh, the sixth quarterback off the board. Excuse me, the seventh quarterback off the board. He was uh, the 115th overall pick. He made five starts. Everybody else in this draft class, zero starts in the NFL. So we had six guys that made a start in the NFL. And... Of those, Geno Smith was the best quarterback in this draft class. This draft class as a total, all of their stats combined through 116 career touchdowns. Okay. (laughs) Patrick Mahomes. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has 114 career touchdowns. Okay. So Patrick Mahomes has played essentially two and a half years in the NFL as a starter, about three years in the NFL. He was drafted four years after this draft class. And he has two fewer touchdown passes than this entire quarterback class combined. Jesus. From, from seven years ago. Okay. And that's only if we count the regular season, Taylor, because if we count the playoffs, that class of quarterbacks is still at 116 because they threw zero playoff touchdown passes. Nice. And Patrick Mahomes is at 131. So he's 15 ahead if you Man. count postseason touchdowns. This quarterback class threw 116 career touchdown passes and 109 career interceptions. So we basically have got a one-to-one touchdown good? interception ratio. It's not good. It's very, very bad. So let's move into kind of the, the draft class as a whole. Uh, we'll get away from the quarterbacks. They were bad, and they're kind of the star of this show. Yeah. But I just wanted to kind of take a look at pro bowlers and all pros, and you yeah. pulled some numbers on this. But just to kind of start this conversation off, there have been 18 players. There were 18 players in this class that went to multiple pro bowls, and that's out of 254 players drafted. So out of 254 players, 18 guys that went to two or more pro bowls. And there were only 11 more that went to one pro bowl. So out of 254 players, 29 made at least one Pro Bowl. That doesn't seem like a very high percentage. Now, I want to hear (laughs) your number crunching, but this class has gone to 73 Pro Bowls combined, and that's led by Travis Kelsey's six, okay? So six-time Pro Bowler Travis Kelsey, he was actually hurt that first year, so he's essentially been a Pro Bowler like every year that he's actually been. Of course he has. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, Yes. Yeah, so what I wanted to do, because I looked at every draft from 1970 to 2020. Of course you did. And yeah, of course I did, because that's what I did. So that's 50 drafts. And the way this shakes out is that the top 10 picks take up an exorbitant percentage of the pro bowlers and the all pros in every class. They're just, sure. you know, your top 10 picks are usually where you're going to fire off and have the most success. So of every year, there are the top 10 picks represent 4.47 of all players selected, but they represent 29.8% of the all pros Mm. and 25.5% of the pro bowlers. So even though it's 4% of the, of the people, they're 30% and 25% of the all pros and pro. Makes sense. Yes. That your, your, your hit rate is, is huge on the first round. So that's really where the 2013 class just this turd shines because you want to hit on the top 10. You want to be able, those are the easy slam dunk picks, right? Those are the ones that you're going to get your, your all pros and your pro bowlers there. Well, 
of the 21 first team all pro selections in the 2013 draft, only one of them came from a player picked in the top 10, which was Philadelphia tackle Lane Johnson. So they had absolute misses in the top 10 everywhere. And of their Pro Bowl selections, they had 73 in the whole draft class, right? And only six of those 73 selections were a top 10 pick, which is insane. I mean, that's absolutely preposterous. That's 4% and 8% of the Pro Bowlers and all pros from the top 10 when you expect it to be 30% and 25%. So there, you know, you've got to hit on those top picks. You've just got to do it because everyone else is a crapshoot as the you know the numbers bear out but the this top 10 which if we go over it real quick was oh, absolutely I mean, a miss from from top to bottom it was uh, just berserk yeah number one obviously was eric fisher yeah who as we will discuss had one of the best careers of this entire class <laughs> yeah number two luke jokel who yep. i will tell you at the time was the guy that I wanted the chiefs to take, you know, we're talking about two tackles. Give me the one that comes from the big 12, you know, bigger conference, you know, kind of a more established pedigree, but he only played 50 games in the NFL. He last played four years ago. Yeah. Fisher's played 117, never made a pro bowl, never made an all pro team. Dion Jordan, uh, for Miami with the third overall pick, not a good career, 63 career games, career AV of 10, that's Ooh. average value. That's not good. It's not good. Fish is 61. Or, yeah, 61. Yeah, Fish is 61. Exactly. Lane Johnson with a career AV of 54. Not bad. Three Pro Bowls, one All-Pro team, as you he's mentioned. He's been decent. He had a decent career. He certainly – he's dropped off a little bit. But he, he's had a decent career. Yeah. Ezekiel Ansa, number five Ziggy. overall. Ziggy! Ziggy! Ziggy was the best – probably the best edge rusher in this draft. Uh which is not saying a whole lot, 50 and a half career sacks for a guy that was drafted, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago. Now he had a couple of good seasons in there, but man, I mean, you're talking about, you know, for a top five, that's, that's bad. There's some busts in there, but man, the second half of this top 10 is (laughs) gross. It's gross. (laughs) Yeah. There's Barkevious Mingo who went sixth overall, the linebacker that Cleveland picked who, you know, he's still playing, but he is no good. And then yeah, he's you go, never been good. Yeah, he's never been good. And then these last. So so Arizona picks some guard named Jonathan Cooper, who also, you know, he's been out of football now for three years, never really did anything. His career average or added value is 14 average value. So That's 14. Not, not great. Uh, Tavon Austin, everybody kind of knows his name. He's never really done a ton, but the Rams drafted him there. He's bounced around a little bit. Tavon Um, Austin, wide receiver one in this class. Yeah, the first wide receiver off the board at eight overall. Like, it's one thing. They pick him in the fourth, and everyone's like, that's a pretty good pick, but eight overall. He has 2,000 career receiving yards. Yeah, 2,000. It's not not great for, uh, you know, eight years in the league. But the worst pick in the whole draft, and one of the worst picks of any draft of all time. Oh my God. The Jets. Of course it's the Jets. I mean, it doesn't matter what year, it doesn't matter what it is. It's the Jets. They picked defensive back D Milliner with the ninth overall pick. Uh, You're telling me uh, somebody named D that's a a DB. So that, that stands for dumb bird, right? Nice. Nailed it. Yes. D D the dumb bird. Uh, D has a career added value of six, Hmm. six, six single digits. Because uh, he's been out of the NFL since 2015. And yeah. he was drafted in 2013. 
D. Milner was the ninth overall pick. He played in 21 career games That's impossible. in the NFL. I, I mean, that is, uh, yeah, he was. Did he kill someone? No, he didn't. I mean, he killed his own career by being Ooh, terrible. I mean, just nice. man, murdered it. Yeah. And then, of course, the Titans round off this amazing top 10 by picking guard Chance Warmack, who hasn't played since 2018. Two guards in the top 10, both of whom have been out of the NFL for three years. Three tackles, two guards, two defensive ends. A, a linebacker. A linebacker, a wide receiver, and a defensive back. Man, it is a bad top 10. This draft at the top of the class was just terrible. Uh, I just wanted to return to the pro bowler situation here for a second. Yeah. Because we talked about some of the numbers, the figures, but I want to talk about some of the names here, right? Like I mentioned, this class went to a 70, a combined 73 pro bowls Mm -hmm. uh, led by Travis Kelsey six. Okay. But nine of the 73 pro bowls for this class, almost a full seventh of the pro bowls for this class belong to Kyle Juszczyk, (laughs) fullback, who is making the Pro Bowl team by default because there's like one corner or one fullback in the NFC and it's Kyle Juszczyk. Future therefore, Chief Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, therefore he's going every year. And Cordero Patterson, oh, who is a return specialist. So nice. literally, literally one-seventh of your Pro Bowl appearances in this class were by specialists, okay? A fullback and a returner. Here's some of the Pro Bowlers. So Some of these names in this draft class that made the Pro Bowl are hilarious to me. So... Latavius Murray is one. Okay. One, one pro bowl, uh, Jordan Reed, you know, uh, tight end. He rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Uh, Eddie Lacey for the Packers. Oh, fat Eddie Lacey, fat Eddie Lacey and Tyler Eifert, man. Okay. So those are some of your pro bowlers. Okay. This class produced a total of 21 first team, all pro selections. You mentioned they were almost all from guys that were later on in the draft. Yeah, but four of those twenty-one first-team All-Pro selections were Cordero Patterson. Okay? Oh, so literally one fourth or one fifth of your your All-Pro first-team All-Pro selections are for a kick return. Honey so, Badger's in there with three of them. He is, he is, and he's one of the best picks in this draft. In fact, the Chiefs ended up with ultimately three, uh, and then they certainly did not draft Tyron Matthew, but they ended up with three of like the best six players in this draft. Oh, with Le'Veon, nice. Yeah, Le'Veon, Tyron. And Kelsey and Fish. I mean, really, like four of the top ten, probably. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the wide receiver class here. We talked about the quarterback class, and it is embarrassing and it's terrible. This wide receiver class is putrid. Okay, so the fourth best wide receiver in this draft class, and there's a reason we're starting with number four. The fourth best wide receiver in this draft class was Kenny Stills. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's 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 the tweet. That's that's Kenny it. Stills. Kenny Stills was the fourth, but he was wide receiver four in this draft class. Okay, so. The top three guys were DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods, and Keenan Allen, who are all mm-hmm. good players, especially yeah. Hopkins, you know, is a top wide receiver in the league. You're not going to have a draft with no good players. They're going to yeah, go gonna, somewhere and they're right. going to be good. Yeah. Right, right. There's going to be some good guys in every draft. In this draft, there were three and only three. <laughs> Kenny Stills is the sixth leading receiver from this draft class at any position. Oh, no. Okay. So even when you throw in tight ends and running backs, Kenny Stills has the six most receiving yards from the 2013 draft class. Okay. Kenny Stills. Uh, seventh on that list is Jordan Reed, the aforementioned dead tight end. <laughs> he he has the seventh most receiving yards from that draft class. Okay. With 3,602 receiving yards. Good Lord. Eighth 
is Terrence Williams, who has been retired for like three years. Oh, the Cowboy. Yes, the former Cowboy with 3,377. Eighth leading receiver from this draft class. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. Ninth is Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) Sure. So of the top 15 receivers in this draft by yards, the top 15 guys in this draft by receiving yardage, four of them are tight ends and three of them are running backs. Geo Bernard and Theo Riddick. Theo Riddick and Geo Bernard are the running backs, <laughs> along with Le'Veon Bell. And the tight ends include Tyler Eifert and Vance McDonald. <laughs> Vance McDonald had a farm. Oh, and man. the aforementioned Jordan Reed. These these all guys are all in the top 15 in receiving yards from this draft. That's uh, no it, good, it's, man. It's, it's wild. There are only eight wide receivers from this draft class that are even still active in the NFL. Oh, sure. And that includes Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson, <laughs> whose name is still his name is still in bold in Pro Football Reference, which means he still is technically active. But is he really active? I don't believe you. Green Bay drafted this guy, Charles yes. Johnson. Yeah, Charles, Charles this Johnson. has got to be. We got to be getting. I will let right you. Here. I will let you look that up while I give you the other guys among the eight wide receivers left from this draft class. So obviously you've got Nook, Robert Woods, and Keenan Allen. You've got Kenny Stills. Okay. The other four guys from this draft class that are still active at the wide receiver position are Charles Johnson, Marquise Goodwin, Tavon Austin, technically. Technically. Yeah. And Cordero Patterson, again, technically, because he hasn't been a wide receiver in like five years. Right. He's been a running back more recently than a wide receiver. Huh. So Charles Johnson is the fifth Charles Johnson to ever play in the NFL, which actually I kind of expected it to be more, but um, he has only played in 2014, 15 and 16. I think this is a, um, a little quirk of, Oh, he's been on a practice squad. He's, he hasn't Uh, gotten in a game since 2016, but he's been on NFL rosters. He, the jets cut him, the Eagles signed him and placed him on IR and blah, blah, blah. What you're saying is really there are only seven active wide receivers. That is absolutely correct. Charles Johnson is nowhere close to being active. 2013 is not that long ago. No, (laughs) I mean, like there should be more than seven wide receivers from this draft class that are still active in the NFL. Good Uh, Lord. We have to talk briefly about the running backs here because I don't know. I'm not a big consumer of uh, fantasy football Reddit anymore, but This was a subreddit famed and probably still famed. I haven't been there in, in a few years, but probably still famed for their hype trains, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing takes off like a Reddit hype train. No. And this draft class is littered with Reddit hype trains at the running back position, starting with, of course, the great Christian Michael, one of the great C-Mike. fantasy football Reddit memes of all time, Christian Michael, uh, that hype train Never left the station, but man, no. he pulled, pulled into the station about 15 times in the course of his NFL career. Uh-huh. Big time fantasy hype for him and big time XFL fantasy. That's hype. what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. C Mike yeah. was like the RB1 in XFL. Man. But he certainly. He certainly had some hype in the XFL as well. Uh, Joseph Randall with Dallas. You may remember yeah. him as like uh, the starting running back for the Cowboys for like a hot minute before he. I think he committed a bunch of felonies. I, he definitely did some crimes and got cut and never came back to the NFL. Uh, former Ram Zach Stacy, Zach with the C, <laughs> yep. Z-A-C Stacy. Yep. He was the Ram starter for, you know, a second before they drafted Todd Gurley. Uh, yeah, he had a little, a little hype. I think, 
I probably drafted him like in the second round in a fantasy league. Maybe I've owned him before. 20, yeah, 2014 or 2015, probably. I believe I owned him in our AAF fantasy league. Oh, no. <laughs> the Alliance of American oh. Football, baby. Oh, no. Dak Stacy saved by uh, Memphis Express. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep, former Express, Zach, Zach Stacy. Uh, the sixth leading rusher from this class is Spencer Ware. So shout oh, out yeah. to a, a former chief. He was picked uh, by Seattle, 194th overall. And uh, he was the sixth leading rusher from this draft class. So Pretty good pick there. You know, a lot of, a lot of good players. Um, I want to close this out. Um, and it's appropriate that I, I get to close this out with the edge rusher segment since, yes. uh, yes, since it is. that's the Your theme. Boys. Of, yeah, that's, these are my boys, my, my boys, boys, my boys, my boys, my boys, the edge rushers here, are the top edge rushers, uh, by, uh, by draft position from this draft class. Okay. I'm just going to give them to you in order of when they were drafted. Uh, number one, Deion Jordan, who we already talked about, oh, yeah. was a tremendous bust at one, one, three overall to the dolphins. Uh, Ezekiel Ansa Ziggy. Ziggy! The 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 edge rusher three in this class in terms of when they were taken off the board was a guy named Bjorn Werner. <laughs> Bjorn Werner. <laughs> I, 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 I swear that the rest of these names, I'm gonna go through the third round for edge rushers here. I, I some of these guys are made up. Dayton Jones was oh. edge four. <laughs> Tank Carradine, who I have heard of because yeah. Name's Tank, but not a very good player. Margus Hunt. Margus, I love Margus. Margus. Hunt. Yeah, Margus Hunt and Demontre uh, Demontre Moore. So yeah. these were your edge rushers that were drafted in the first three rounds. You know, premium position, premium draft picks. No good players except for Ezekiel Ansa, kind of. You know, from time to time, he had his moments. Do you happen this, to remember a chief named Marvkus? Marvkus, I don't. Yeah, Marvkus Patton. The Chiefs had a player named Marvkus. Yeah, like back in like the early 2000s. I do not remember that. Yeah, Marv when Kiss. when you said Margus, I was just like, man, I wonder if he's related to Marvkus <laughs> Patton. Oh, boy. I do not remember Marvkus. 99 to 02. What position did he play? Uh, he was a linebacker. I don't remember him because those linebackers for the late 90s, early 2000s Chiefs were not really <laughs> distinguishing themselves. Well, no, but his name was Marvkus. <laughs> <laughs> sure, right. No, so I, who's I'm after glad... Margus Hunt? I am glad that you uh, I'm glad that you recalled Marvkus and some of our listeners out there know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sure a lot of them do. That was not <laughs> a time when I was super plugged into the chiefs, but I appreciate the Marvkus shout out on the podcast. <laughs> I just want to close the second best edge in this class by uh, added value. AV behind Ezekiel Ansa is somebody named John Simon. Oh yeah. John Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah. John, John Simon and Garfunkel was the second best edge in the draft class of 2013. I almost said John Simon and Theodore. One of those jokes is, is good. Uh, there's also Corey Lemonnier. Lemonnier. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking and, about 2013 edges or are you talking about former chiefs now? Uh, now that's a 2013 edge for San Francisco. Corey I, Lemonnier. That, that's not a real person. Al Alex Okafor was in there. Oh, what about Trevardo Williams? Trevardo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just Malika, Malika Goodman. There are some great names in here. Sure, but not a lot of great Quantarius, Quantarius Smith, Stansley Maponga. Oh man. Stansley Maponga. <laughs> yeah. Quentin Dial. Uh yeah, this is this is good stuff. Great content. We appreciate that question at Fun and James 85. Stay tuned next week. We're going to roast the 2009. 2009. Is it 2009? So, so the 2009 class makes the 2013 class look like the 1983 class. It is what? 
It is absolutely devoid of all talent anywhere on the board. They only had six all pro selections in their entire class. Oh my gosh. That's... Not the top 10, the entire class. Mm -hmm. Their 54 pro bowlers were the least that they've done since they started tracking pro bowlers. So, <laughs> well, stay tuned for that guys. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a ton of fun roasting that class. We appreciate you fun and James 85 for giving us some material there. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week to break down the first week of free agency. Ah! <laughs>